0: On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our
1: time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
0: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Ready PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me is a man that recently blew a 20-point lead in his ping-pong match. He is here, ladies and gentlemen, to remind us that second place is the first loser. He is the captain.
3: <laughs> All I know is I got five rings now. Where's your rings, Cleveland?
1: What happened to you, Captain? That, that ping-pong match, you really fell apart there. Yeah, <laughs> I have bad knees. Today we are drinking Fuzzy Baby Ducks IPA by New England Brewing Company. Garage grade, four and a half bottle caps out of five. This is a fantastic citrus single hop IPA, one of Connecticut's finest beers by one of their finest brewers. Fuzzy Ducks was brought to us by some of our warm and fuzzy friends. First, we have Josh from Ontario, Canada.
3: Next up, we have Chelsea from Alabama.
1: Yeah, Chelsea says, Alabama loves y'all. Chelsea recommends that we check out the Good People Brewing Company, especially their El Gordo Imperial Stout. Mm -hmm. That was my nickname in high school, Captain. El Gordo. I am, well, I was El Gordo.
3: (laughs) Uh, You should use that name for the show.
1: Let's go to Fort Worth, Texas and say hi and thank you to Matthew. Next, we have Gianna, who says, I love the show and would love to hear some Michigan true crime. Well, we did cover the Oakland County child killer case. Of course, that was episode 28. And like all of our older episodes, that one is available in the itunes store and on our website store page
3: and from vernon connecticut we have michael big shout out to michael
1: from parts unknown we have alexandra thank you alexandra also in parts unknown we have sue so thank you to sue and from parts roaming we have marzon who says hi guys i listen while driving on my 50 states tour and thank you for making my drive much more enjoyable Marzon, make sure that you use a boat or a plane for the Hawaii portion of your trip.
3: And from Springfield, Missouri, we have a big shout out, beer shout out to Julie.
1: Julie says, keep on rocking in the free world. Well, thank you, Julie. And last but not least, we have Nay from Echo Park, California, who says, thank you guys for putting out an entertaining and informative pod. Grab some sticky monkey from Fire Firestone Walker grabbing, Brewery.
3: I will not grab no s-
1: sticky monkey. <laughs> so thank you all for pitching in this week's beer fund. And if you want to kick it in for next week, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button.
3: Yeah, you can just <laughs> take your hand off the stingy monkey and then click on the donate button. And like always, we
1: like your Cheap. That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. And let's talk some true crime. Worst grade school shooting in
3: U.S. history, at least 27 dead, 20 children, 7 adults, including the principal, and the gunman killed himself. And all over this town, in churches like the United Methodist Church behind us, well, the lights are on
1: and they are still open for prayer tonight.
0: It will be all night. People have been gathering here for prayer to lean on each other and lean on a belief in something bigger than themselves to help get through what is just impossible to believe here or anywhere else. The sentiment here echoed in what you're seeing now down by the Washington Monument in D.C. Many members of the Connecticut delegation was there. But this story is really about their home here, Newtown, Connecticut, just 27,000 people. This is a place where people know each other, families know each other. And what happened today is known by all. And it's not just about how many were lost, it's about the age. What is hitting everyone so hard is the reality of these being children that were targeted by a madman. We now know his name. We know he's 20 years old, Adam Lanza. We know that before he came to this school, he shot his own mother, Nancy, in the face, killing her at her home. The looming question is why this man then decided to come to this school? He shows up at a place where they're making gingerbread houses in preparation for the holidays and Christmas presents. Just kids, a man in black enters with a vest and multiple weapons and begins a massacre.
1: Columbine was not the first school shooting in history. But if you ask people my age, that's the first school massacre that we remember. And you hate to force yourself to rank these tragedies, but Sandy Hook certainly is one of the worst. These stories are becoming a common occurrence. We won't say it out loud, but we are becoming a little numb to these horrible events. Mm -hmm. We used to kiss our kids and send them off hoping that they would learn something and make us proud. But these days we kiss our kids and we hope that they come back. Once we shake off the shock and try to comprehend these tragic stories, we must know why. We seek out to answer every question one can think of, but even after we have done so, we are still confused. We have, we have to blame someone. That part is easy, as usually the guilty party is found close to his victims with a bullet in his head. But that's just not enough. That's not good enough because kids are not supposed to die, parents are not supposed to bury their children... And children and young adults are supposed to have too many exciting things to look forward to in their lives to ever think or consider of carrying out these plans that end lives, ruin families, destroy communities, and break the hearts of a nation. Why do these things happen? Is the problem our gun control laws? Is the problem mind-altering pharmaceuticals that treat our troubled youth? Or is it the bullies? We simply may never know but we're not going to stop asking why and we're not going to stop looking into these events to try to prevent them from happening again.
3: Yeah. I believe most people are age or maybe a little younger. Uh, the, the times of high school or middle school or elementary school be in a place of safety, a place of education, a place of where you had so many first experiences, maybe your first best friend, your first girlfriend, your first kiss, who knows what it was, Schools were a place of safety, a place that you would reminisce on once you left school, you know, the, the glory days. And now schools, when you see a school flash on the news screen, you don't think, oh, something positive. You immediately assume, oh, no, another school shooting happened again. And with Sandy Hook, it's more heinous because the victims were of age six and seven.
1: Yeah, and the the hard thing here, Captain, was you know, when we met in the garage last week and we left saying, Okay, next week is Sandy Hook, we're very quickly thrown into the mix when we dive into these cases. And this one especially where where we're you know, it's so difficult to, to research because of the tragic events. It's so difficult to report on this because it's such it's such a horrible crime that happened. The key thing here though is that at the end of the day, this story is About not about the monster that carried out this crime, but about the this story is about the school of Sandy Hook and its wonderful teachers and
0: students.
3: By examining a case like this, we might be able to see what some of the causes were, and that might be able to put us on higher alert so we could prevent a tragedy like this happening again in another school in your town. But it also is a reminder that life is short and life is precious, and while we're here on earth that maybe we should have more respect for each other and more love for each other.
1: Sandy Hook elementary school is in the town of Newtown, Connecticut. Newtown is part of the Danbury metropolitan area and the New York metropolitan area. One person that everyone probably knows is Caitlyn Jenner, who of course back then would have gone by the name of Bruce attending Newtown high school. The population of Newtown is about 27, 28,000 people. So this is not a big town. This is more of what I would call a sleepy town. This is an extremely safe community. Very, very low crime rate.
3: It's like a modern
1: Mayberry. Two of the residents in this community in 2012 are Adam Lanza and his mother, Nancy. Now, let's go back here a little bit. We have Adam Lanza was the second of two children of Peter and Nancy Lanza. Mm -hmm. Their first son is Ryan Lanza, who is four years older than Adam. The Lanza family moved to Newtown when Adam was only six years old back in 1992. This is when Peter became the VP of Finance for General Electric, which is one of the more prestigious companies in the Newtown area. Peter is described as a workaholic, often getting into work very early in the day and then staying until 10 p.m. or even later. Nancy took care of the kids. Nancy grew up on a farm in New Hampshire, and from a young age, hunting was a hobby of hers. She would often go hunting with her older brothers. Uh, She did work for John Hancock before she decided to stay home with her two boys.
3: If you watch the documentary Newtown, you'll notice that These are larger size houses, normally like two to four car garages, and their lots are bigger. So the average lot, I would say, and I'm not, I don't know the whole area, but I'd say there's a lot of lots in this area that they're small communities, but they have about two acres per
1: lot. Yeah, quite a bit of space between the homes there. Um, At a very young age, Adam seems different. Um, And this is noticeable by his parents and his loved ones. When he is five years old, he is diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism with a significant difficulties in the realm of social interaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shortly after that, he is diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. This affects the body's sensory signals. The SPD center describes this as signals that are not organized into appropriate responses creating a neurological traffic jam that prevents certain parts of the brain from receiving information needed to correctly integrate sensory data. Adam displays all of the common symptoms of this of this SPD, uh, avoiding groups of people and kids, recoiling from touch, flinching at sudden movements, seeking seclusion, and he also prefers to be in the dark.
3: Adam definitely seemed a little different. And with his Asperger's, obviously, we we know why some of those things would make him seem different. But it didn't seem like he was that interested into fitting into any. Group.
1: No, he never seemed to speak much or to try to make friends. He just never seemed interested in making friends or relationships with other people his age. Um, at home, he also didn't seem to want to have much of a relationship with anyone in the lands of home other than his mother. Nancy was very much a helicopter mom when it came to Adam. Nancy and Adam built a bond through target shooting. This starts when Adam is very young. Uh, He shoots his first gun when he's four years old. Nancy encouraged their shared hobby for target shooting and an interest in firearms. This was really the only outdoor activity that Adam seems to enjoy because of Adam's disorders. Nancy was overly concerned that Adam would become the target of bullies. Adam's peers would often describe Adam as picked on occasionally. But really, for the most part, Adam was really, he really wasn't bullied. He was just kind of ignored.
3: With Adam's SPD, his anxiety grew a lot more at home. He would have these temper tantrums, which would grow with age. And so every time he'd have these temper tantrums, it was like he'd become more violent. And the number of these
1: fits as well, they increased.
3: Yeah, and this was getting worse for Adam in his middle school years.
1: Yeah, and it's around this time that one of his middle school teachers would discover some of Adam's drawings. Now, these are images depicting people in various states of death. At home, Nancy is finding similar drawings of Adam's as mm-hmm. well as printouts showing scenes of death and violence that he had found on the internet. Uh, Nancy does seek help from a professional regarding these images that she's finding and concern about Adam's well-being and maybe where his head's at. Right. But she does not feel that Adam's needs were being met by that professional.
3: And this would be difficult for any parent to deal with with a typical kid. But in Adam's case, his, his communication skills are not the best.
1: Regardless, this is a difficult thing to to experience and to deal with because your your son is roughly, let's say, 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember being a kid and I'm not going to pretend that to be some kind of expert parent, nor do I fully understand this disorder uh, or either of these disorders that he has. But, you know, you, when you're a young teenager, you know, especially for me, you're listening to Metallica and things like that. And you doodle at school while you're trying to pass time and skulls creep their way onto. Uh, you know, my, my notebooks and right. my journals and things like that. Now, did I have any fantasies about going out and, and collecting skulls or, 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 you know, creating havoc or death?
3: Well, a side note, we once were called to the principal's office cause we had a band in high school mm-hmm. and, uh, our buddies made a poster and they called us into the principal's office cause they thought that the drawings were satanic. Now, we didn't make those drawings, but we didn't disapprove of those drawings either. Were right. we satanic kids? No, we were not. We just happened to be in a band, and we just, you know, whatever. We thought it was creative.
1: Well, and of course, it raised a red flag for the the principal or vice principal or whoever called us down there, and then then they notify parents, and then parents have to, to be concerned. Because here's the issue, too. You know, and I understand Adam, you know, they found these drawings at school as well as at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which makes it, you know, that more troubling. But in our situation, it was, I think my parents kind of reacted like, well, maybe I should treat this like it's some kind of big deal because the school thought it was a big deal. They didn't, they, they saw it and really didn't, didn't, really didn't get it either.
3: Yeah. I don't think my father ever got why I was in a band. Now, in Adam's situation, it's different. It causes more of a red flag, if you will, because he has lack of social skills and lack of social life.
1: And he just doesn't even talk to anybody. I mean, he doesn't talk to his family. He doesn't talk to his classmates. He just doesn't talk period.
3: But to her benefit, she seeks professional help for Adam.
1: Yes, she does. And she ultimately ends up removing him from that situation. Mm -hmm. It's reported by her friends that her complaint was she was so sick of hearing people tell her that Adam's just going to grow out of this situation. But, but again here, that's where I kind of take a bit of problem with the situation because Yeah, all these, maybe the teachers and the school counselors and this professional that you've sought out are telling you he will probably grow out of this. If you're feeling that his needs are not being met, maybe stick with it a little bit longer.
3: But what a scary situation to be in as a parent. And maybe she had this gut intuition that maybe there was something a little more sinister going on with her child.
1: Around this same time, Adam's parents, well, their marriage starts having problems and peter and nancy they would separate a couple of times Mm -hmm. before nancy would file for divorce in 2008 uh adam's temper tantrums are getting worse and this is an example of one there's there's actually one day before school this is when adam is in eighth grade adam is actually taken to the hospital due to an anxiety attack that he's experiencing this is primarily because of his spd he was afraid of going to school and it's not because of the kids, you know, he wasn't afraid of going to school because he was bullied or because mm-hmm. he wasn't performing well in school. No, he was afraid because of this disorder, he was afraid of like loud noises and the crowded hallways, the yeah. slamming doors, the lockers, the loud kids. all of this was making it much harder for him to go to school or to navigate through the hallways in the classrooms.
3: yeah, and I have a longtime friend that is an educator and his specialty is autistic kids or kids with Asperger's. And this is a common um, symptom is that they really are disturbed uh, by loud noises and by a lot of commotion.
1: Well, on this one situation where he's taken to the hospital, Nancy talks to the doctor and she wants to try to get a note from the doctor stating that Adam should be homeschooled. She wants to keep him home for the remainder of his eighth grade year so that he can kind of settle in. He can, he can focus on schoolwork and not have to go to this place that's causing him this massive anxiety and a bit of trauma, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to keep him home from eighth grade before he enters high school, but this does not end up happening. She doesn't get a note from the from the hospital, and she doesn't keep him home.
3: Yeah, and in hindsight, you wonder if this would have helped his disorder, or helped what he was going through, um, but I guess we'll never know.
1: And it's in eighth grade that we start to see an increase in the troubles with Adam, as well as the disorders that are preventing him from wanting to go to school.
3: Well, now that he's in high school, you would think that you know, the kids before weren't so there they weren't necessarily mean, but they weren't really attentive of him. He was just kind of invisible, the invisible kid. But yeah. I wonder if that that bullying uh, or being picked on ramped up much in high school.
1: Well, you're exactly right. He is kind of the invisible kid. It's We're going to see that same underlining sentence that we had said earlier, where he's not. he is picked on occasionally. It's described as picked on occasionally, but no one ever called it bullying. My
3: Right. My only problem with this, though, is this is coming from all outside sources. Right. And so I had a really good friend in middle school that actually switched schools going into high school, did not go to our high school. He was picked on so much that his family everybody decided, hey, he's going to a different high school. Now, I knew that because I was one of his best friends, but people around didn't really understand, well, why is he not going to our high school? Mm -hmm. And I'm going, well, you didn't understand how bad it was. Now, the difference between my friend and Adam was my friend talked to his parents, told counselors what was going on. I wonder if in Adam's case, there was a lot of bullying or being picked on and, and some other things going on that just never were reported.
1: Well, you have, you have two arguments here. Um, Nancy would Nancy believed that he was being picked on, that he was bullied where you have the school children and his peers saying that, no, that wasn't the case. He just, he, we knew he was different. Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't fit in. That's, that's easy to see, but he never tried with us. He didn't want to talk to any of us. He didn't want to have a relationship with any of the kids here. And therefore, I don't think any of the kids made an effort on their end either.
3: Well, Nancy wasn't helping out Adam at all with giving him that Lloyd Christmas haircut.
1: It's strange that you say that because there's actually a story by the the man that cut his hair for years. And he described the situation as strange because, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a barber shop or you go to get your hair cut and it's usually a place where the the person cutting your hair is trying to make small talk with you. And usually you make talk back and sometimes it it sparks up conversations and whatnot. This was not the situation for Adam or for Nancy. And I, and I bring Nancy's name into this because the man specifically says that on every time that Adam went to get his hair cut, he was, he was with his mother. His mother would come in and basically tell Adam where to go to sit down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam would go to the the barber chair and rather than, you know, the barber says, I constantly try to, to make jokes or to talk about things that were going on mm. to spark up conversation with the boy.
3: Yeah. Try to ease his mind when he put that metal bowl on his head to give him the haircut.
1: And, and I think a lot of that, too, is that, you know, these barbers usually are, are, are people, people, people mm-hmm. people persons. He, yeah, yeah. And he probably saw that there, there was some anxiety with this young man and he was trying to make ease the ease the trip for him. But he said that Adam would just stare at the tiled floor. And it was, it was strange that the boy never really interacted with anybody at the shop there. It was all of his mom kind of telling him where to go. Okay, Adam, we're done now. Let's leave. Um, you know, l- like I said, a bit of that helicopter mom.
3: Again, I think the whole uh, hindrance, you know, hindsight of the whole thing is maybe she was enabling him too much and holding his hand too much and not not enabling him to grow.
1: Mm -hmm. And you worry that that might've been the situation. Had she been successful taking him out of eighth grade? Maybe sometimes, sometimes these fears we have to face them to, to overcome them. Um, Once Adam starts high school, uh, they started off by, they put together a plan to kind of ease him into the school. Mm -hmm. Uh, This plan was devised by Nancy working with the school and the school's officials. He started off the year in a private setting, and once he got used to the new school, to the high school, he was slowly introduced into the traditional classes with other kids. And he was taking a lot of honors classes. Again, even though he had these disorders, he was not he was not a dumb kid. Right. You know, he Very was bright. He was bright and he, he excelled at academics.
3: And oddly enough. um, Adam seems like a little bit of a cartoon character.
1: Yeah. His peers and the school officials would later recall that Adam wore the same outfit to school every day. He wore baggy khaki pants and the same blue polo shirt and he carried a briefcase. Uh, and I
3: wonder if it's not the actual same polo or if it was just like we have multiple of the same outfit, but maybe Adam didn't really give a shit. So then his parents were like, you know what? we will just, you kind of give him a uniform.
1: Yeah. I don't think that, you know, he, he's not communicating well with anybody. I don't know that he's able to communicate or desires to communicate to his parents what he wants to wear to school. So maybe they just buy some things that he seems comfortable with, but yeah, he could have created his own uniform wearing that same blue polo shirt and khaki pants. The weird thing about the briefcase, first of all, that's a strange thing to carry in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing about this too, is a lot of people, When they saw the briefcase opened, they said it was practically empty. So it seemed even more strange that he would carry this briefcase. It sounds to me there's a lot of accounts that when he was trying to navigate through those hallways, that he was using the briefcase as kind of a buffer between Mm -hmm. him and the other kids, that he would typically walk right on the edge of the hallway, right up against the wall, and keep that briefcase either right out in front of him. Or to the side of him that would kind of block him from the other children.
3: Yeah, well, with the Asperger's, it would, you know, that makes a lot of sense because he does not want to be touched. Most uh, people with Asperger's have a real issue with personal space.
1: And it was not uncommon for Adam to require an escort to help him navigate through the hallways of the high school.
3: And we'll get right back to the case after this quick beer break.
1: The evidence keeps pouring in. while your subscription is active
3: cheers everybody where we left off adam lanza was entering high school his mother is concerned nancy is concerned with his uh mental state and kind of what's going on in his head and she's having a very difficult time communicating with adam
1: yeah and at the start of his sophomore year uh we do see a little bit of progress uh from from adam as far as the social aspects concerned uh, he surprises everybody, and he signs up for an after-school program. Mm. Uh, this is one of those AV tech clubs uh, where he is the—he's video recording the school's basketball games. Um, so, what we're seeing here, Captain, I believe, is that we have this young troubled man, right? This this boy who has trouble fitting in. And he doesn't want to be at school because of his anxieties and his disorders. Mm -hmm. However, he's very smart. And I think that when he's starting to see classes that challenge him a little more, that he's able to dive into that. And this might pique his interest. And he's coming out of his shell a bit here. Uh, he's, He's in a way opening up.
3: And like we said, a lot of his classes at this point are honor classes.
1: Yeah. And he's taking things that seem a little little more fun to him, like shop class. And then he's involved in this AV tech club. Um, He does trade in the blue polo shirt uh, for a green one, and he will wear that shirt for the remainder of his sophomore year. Uh, He does lose the briefcase and he he gets a a more traditional bag uh, Mm -hmm. that you would be used to seeing. Um,
3: yeah, I always rock the two straps.
1: It's around this time that Nancy starts adding to her collection. She's purchasing more guns, more firearms. Again, she is encouraging her son's hobby of target shooting. Because other than this AV tech club, he Adam still doesn't have any hobbies other right. than video games and target shooting. Uh, it is believed that she kept some of the guns for herself but that she also gave some of the guns to Adam. Now this has been a topic of, of discussion quite a bit yeah. that, that were the guns, you know, the guns were obviously hers and maybe she should have kept them locked up better, but there's plenty of evidence here that we will see going forward that these guns were purchased for Adam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we re- remember we have this divorce that the parents and the family have just gone through recently And it's Adam's classmates that say that Adam was greatly affected by his parents' divorce and that while he did not talk to most of the other kids, he did seem to write about the separation often. Mm -hmm. In September of 2009, Adam starts playing and becomes obsessed with a video game called Combat Arms. This is a multiplayer game. It's a modern style first person shooter game. The player is in control of a gun, and the object of this game is to kill the most enemy players. In this game, there is a form of gameplay where whomever kills the most players in the shortest amount of time is the winner, and you can also increase your kill number by killing yourself. This situation is quite different from real life, obviously. In the game world, he would fit in. He would fit in. You know, they would have these forms and these groups that you could talk to, he was accepted into these groups where he would discuss game strategies and occasionally joke around. Uh, Adam creates an online and gaming persona in which he calls himself Canebread. This becomes a positive social experience for Adam.
3: Yeah, for I think a lot of parents, you'd might go, "Well, this is a little odd," but the fact, I mean, the fact that he is talking to anybody or he's excited about anything that he is social with. Uh, that's a positive step in the right direction.
1: And it's probably because of these games that he's playing, but he's also having an increasing military obsession and fascination. Adam also becomes involved in an online community for gun enthusiasts uh, he knows his stuff, too. From from his interactions on this form, again, he fits in very well, and he's knowledgeable about firearms.
3: Yeah, and what we're also seeing with Adam is that he's not very good with social situations, but it seems like when he's behind a computer screen or a TV screen when he's playing these games, that he's kind of excelling mm-hmm. more so than he ever has as far as the social communication. Uh, and it seems like he's definitely willing to.
1: Yeah, he's fitting in and he's reaching out to other people and communicating with them. I do want to point out that this, you know, I mentioned the game Combat Arms, that this is only one of many games that Adam was playing. Uh, most of these games were very violent games.
3: Yeah, I've, I've never actually heard of that game.
1: Before. Yeah, I had not either. So I, and I don't know where to like rank these games as far as violence go. It sounds to me like all of them were pretty violent. One of the games that he was playing is a situation where the shooter was even killing women and children in the game.
3: Yeah, which is awful. But in this case, in this conversation, if you will, the, the big conversation always is with these violent g- games, are kids more likely to commit violent acts? I don't personally have an answer or a stance on that.
1: I don't have an answer either. And I don't want anybody saying, well, Nick's saying take away the violent video games because I think there there is a place for them. Uh, But one thing that we see time and time again in these situations, where you have a mass shooter, especially one that's a younger person, that we are seeing a common—it's a common occurrence—that these guys are playing violent video games. And I say guys because almost all of these crimes are committed by young males.
3: Right, but then the question becomes: Did the violent game, you know, and you know, did the violent game cause the person to become more violent? Or was this person already a sociopath or a psychopath and they were drawn to the violent games?
1: I think each situation is probably different. Um, I don't think that we can say that it's the violent video games 100%. I do think that what it does do, though, is that it desensitizes them. You know, mm-hmm. when you're logging 500 out, you know, there, there was one of these games. I'm, I'm not sure if it was the combat arms game or not, but we talked about how violent that game is. But there was one of these violent games that Adam had logged over over five hundred uh, times that he had played the game. Which-
3: yeah, and I, and I think in defense of his mother on this, I mean, Adam is in honor, you know, in honor programs, and he's doing well in school academically, uh, not socially. And his only social avenue are these games. So maybe she thought this was, you know, this would help his uh, social skills outside you know, in the real world and not just the virtual world.
1: Well, is it kind of an easy way of being a parent that when you have a son that likes to lock himself in the basement and he's taped off all the windows so that he's remember, he likes to be in the dark. He prefers to be in the dark. Is it an easy way to be a parent when when your your troubled son just goes off into the basement for hours upon hours and you don't have to deal with him? You don't have to put up with the temper tantrums because he's happy. He's entertaining himself and you're not really fully aware nor seem to care what he does in that room because, you know, he's safe and you know that he's he's entertained and he's not disturbing you.
3: Well, in in Nancy's defense, I mean, you have a child that has a lot more challenges, faces probably more challenges than the typical kid. Um, But we see this time and time again with just typical kids. You know, the parents just go, oh, well, you're on a phone or you're on an iPad or whatever. You know, who cares if it's healthy for you? Uh, I just don't have to deal with you right now.
1: I do think, though, that, it again, it desensitizes these kids to that certain level of violence, even though it's just on-screen violence uh, but again if he's if he's logging over 500 games on this one particular game that's thousands upon thousands of mm-hmm. hours spending watching those violent images over and over again and we do know from studies that if if a kid is young enough that they almost cannot separate the 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 reality you know real life reality from what they're seeing on the screen and
3: i right and i don't know much uh, i don't know a lot about asperger's but i've also heard that you know, they can get hyper-focused on something. And so do you really want your kid that can get super hyper-focused on something to be hyper-focused on killing people or, you know what I mean, or, or violence in general?
1: Well, it's around the same time that, that Adam would start to spend countless hours studying mass killers online. He spent about seven months or so just collecting information on these killers to the point where he was an expert on mass murders Mm -hmm. to the point where he was going on to Wikipedia and he was correcting entries. You know, if people had put wrong dates on there, he would go in and correct them. If somebody had put, you know, names of locations were wrong, but most of the time he was correcting the weapons that were used or descriptions of those weapons that were used in those attacks. Yeah.
3: And at this point, Lloyd Christmas is getting pretty creepy. Right. And I think at, at this point I can put point a finger at Nancy on the idea of if your kid that is hyper focused on mass murders and going on Wikipedia and changing dates and stuff, this is something you should be aware of.
1: You're right, yeah, or or at least have a hint of it, right? Right. If you're if he's spending hours and months on this project that he's created,
3: but well, but okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for myself. Okay, but if he's not communicating,
1: it makes it tough. How
3: would she know? I mean. You'd have to go the extra step and look at, you know, oh, look, here's a, I'm not a parent, but I think all parents should do this. I, I was a parent for a time. I was a stepfather and kids had cell phones and iPads. But at any time I would just go, let me see your phone. Like they might be laughing a little too hard. And I just go, let me see your phone. And yeah. if they didn't want to give me their phone, that phone was taken away for a week. But it was constantly checking they're, you know, not constantly, but, you know, just double checking. What is their, uh, what are they searching on the internet?
1: Yeah. And I, and I, and I, like these households where you see parents saying, you know, there's not a closed door in this house. This is an open door house. You know, we're not going to hide behind closed doors. So that way everybody in the household kind of knows what's going on with the children. I, I do understand the older that these kids get, that gets a little tougher. They do deserve some privacy.
3: Well, and it's harder in this community as well because these houses were larger. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, the shoeboxes we live in. I mean, these were houses that, you know, a person over here, you know, on one side of the house and the person on the other side of the house might not even hear each other.
1: Not only larger, but emptier. I mean, Mm -hmm. as Adam has gotten older, you know, the parents get divorced. The father moves away. Uh, Ryan's four years older than him. He moves away as well. Uh, the the house is big and it's and it's empty.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, internet searches aside, there's a lot of items that Adam had that his mother should have found.
1: Well, we talked about him researching these mass killers and wanting to know everything about them, but he also kind of had some kind of like memorabilia of them, where he mm-hmm. he had newspaper clippings and stories that he had printed from the internet regarding these different mass shooters. So those were, would be physical items that his mother could have found. Now, one of the most disturbing, probably the most disturbing item that, that we know of is a spreadsheet that he created. Now I'm not certain that this was a physical spreadsheet. I don't know that he actually printed this off and referenced it, right? But we do know that it was an, at least an electronic thing that he had stored on his computer. Now, what was this spreadsheet? This was, he had, he had listed several hundreds of mass shooters. And just, just to hear that sentence alone is terrifying to remind yourself that there's been hundreds of these situations. right? But he had listed several hundreds of these mass shooters and created this spreadsheet that has been reported to have been approximately seven foot long in length.
3: Yeah, so we don't know if it was actual physical or if it was digital, but if you did print it, then you're, it'd be seven foot in
1: length. You're right. And it would be approximately four foot wide. Jesus. So this is a massive uh, collection of data here. And this, this appeared to be Adam had ranked them from, you know, number one to whatever, however many hundreds of these people he had researched, but it seemed to be mostly based off of who had had the most kills or created the most dramatic situation um you know so we we have that's some pretty extensive research there captain um some serious time that he's spent diving into these these other people that that are creating havoc
3: yeah and frankly this is becoming a lot more disturbing
1: after some faculty changes at the high school nancy started not to believe that adam's needs were being met remember we talked about when he started his freshman year he, she had worked with some school officials so that he could start off in a private setting yeah. and he could work his way into the general population of the school. Um, one of those faculty members or I, I don't know exactly who she worked with, to be honest with you, but they were no longer there at the school as as the years gone by. And at some point, she feels that there are not. There's nobody there that understands Adam, that understands his disorders and or his needs. Right. She doesn't have an
3: ally in the fight anymore.
1: Correct. So this would be uh, his junior year. Just after his junior year, Nancy decides to take Adam out of Newtown High School. Uh, and it's, it's reported by people at the school that, that Nancy seemed to be angry with the school. But Adam also seemed to be angry with the school because of this, because he was leaving this place even though he had this anxiety about going there, we did see some progress while he was in high school. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, it's supposed to be a place that you look back on that that's of good memories. Um, even though he had this anxiety, we don't know that maybe he didn't have good memories there. You talk about a boy that, that it, his family's moving away. It's just him and his mother in a house Mm -hmm. other than violent video games and research about violent criminals that maybe his only social interaction outside of those four walls was the school. Maybe the only thing he was leaving the house for was to go to school. I mean, other than the shooting range and to go rent some video games.
3: Well, and I wonder also at this point he was playing video games online, um, assuming, and being in part of that community. Sometimes kids you know, will find a couple buddies at school that also play. So maybe he had a couple people that maybe just even said hi to him. And maybe that was enough for him to enjoy that experience at school.
1: You're right. It could be a bit of a common ground, give him something to talk to other kids about. Um, So after high school, after he's taken out of high school of his junior year, uh, Adam is enrolled in Western Connecticut state university. Nancy believed that he would do better in a more adult environment where there would be less chaos. Um, And
3: I feel for her too, because that. at some point you're grasping at straws, right?
1: Yeah. I don't, the thing is what we're seeing is we're seeing a, a mother that cares. She absolutely cares. It's right. just, she doesn't know what to do. And mm-hmm. I, and I don't know that every, that most of us would know what to do in this situation, mm-hmm. but w- we're seeing her try some different things. To me, I just question if she could have received a little more information from the people around her, on, on ways to cope with this and to deal with this. Um, I don't know that her answers were always the best. And I know that I'm sitting in a seat where I'm able to look back after this terrible tragedy and, and go, well, she didn't, she didn't do the right thing. Did, did Nancy love Adam? Yes. One hundred percent. We see, we see that we see a mother giving a lot of effort here, but, uh, you know, we, we also know that effort doesn't always take place of, intelligence or, or informative decisions.
3: Right. And, and I think sometimes, uh, we'll never know, but I think sometimes people are lost causes. You right. know, it's like, you know, the whole, what came first of the chicken or the egg. We don't know, but I mean, possibly in this case, he just had these demons inside him from the beginning.
1: Yeah. There's also some question with Adam about on top of these disorders, did he have any kind of anorexia? Um, You know, because he is a very thin, very thin young man. Mm-hmm. Um, And so th- there's been a lot of question about that. I've heard different accounts. Couldn't really put my thumb down on it if that was the actual case. But I know that his size and his stature also led her to believe that, that he would be a, even more so a target of bullying.
3: Yeah, I think when you see pictures of him and some of the famous pictures of him. You know, he looks. I mean, he he was twenty years old at the time of the attack. He doesn't look twenty at all. No, he looks almost twelve. Yeah, and his his bone structure and his face is very prominent, and and
1: he, he almost looks malnourished, very pale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, we said he preferred the dark, and 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 you know, we know he was in the basement constantly at home with the with the windows taped up so that there was no light coming in. Yeah.
3: And then a lot of these kids that get super focused on whether it's iPad or, or video games or whatever it is they lose track of time Mm -hmm. and they, they don't, you know, they forget to eat or they don't even care to eat
1: academically. He had no problem with high school. Um, and intelligence wise, he had no problem with handling the classes or, or the, the school. Um, it's just, I just really wonder here if that's the right, thing to do to remove a kid from high school and then place them in an adult setting in an adult environment such as a a community college.
3: Yeah. In all fairness though, I mean, you know, high school is not a huge step up, you know, going from high school to college is not a huge step up. So it's not like, you know, he he would have been a senior the following year. So Mm -hmm. he he only stepped up one year in advance.
1: He did take seven classes uh, when he was at Western Connecticut state university uh, receiving a 3.28 grade average. Um, so, again, academics is not a problem for this young man. Um, in 2010, Adam's father, Peter. Now, let's talk about their divorce for a little bit, okay? Peter, we had said, was very successful, worked for General Electric, uh, was a vice president. He he made approximately like half a million dollars Oh, a good year. for him. Well, in the divorce. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, <laughs> How did you say that? Divorce. Yeah.
1: Nancy received a lot of alimony or a lot of child support. Right. right. Um, but it was also agreed upon the two that they both understood that Adam had plenty of issues. Right. With his, and he had with needs. His, as yeah. Well, yeah. And Peter understood that Adam needed to be cared for practically 24 seven, mm-hmm. even, even as a young man and probably as an adult as well. And so he understood that his son, that nobody could go off and work a full-time job and care for him at the same time. So I don't think that Peter fought any of anything that was decided in the divorce. He, it was agreed upon that he, he gave almost half of his salary to Nancy so that Nancy could stay home, provide for Adam and take care of him.
3: Yeah. And that's good on Peter. Right.
1: And, and again, this was not only for the time that Adam was a child. But as an adult as well, Nancy would receive this amount of money for the rest of her life with steady increases annually as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So money is not the problem.
3: Money is definitely not the problem.
1: But what is also decided is that Nancy would have primary custody of the kids. Mm -hmm. And, but Peter's going to spend regular time with the children as far as visits go. You know how these things work. You take them on the weekends or for holidays, uh, try to take the kids places. So he's spending an ample amount of time with both of his sons. Uh, It's in 2010 that Adam's father, Peter, begins dating again, or at least to the point that it's serious enough for Adam to recognize this. And at this time, Adam decides to stop seeing and communicating with his father. At the same time, he also decides to do the same with his brother, as well as an uncle that he was close to growing up. Also in 2010, Adam receives his driver's license. Uh, but again, the only places he's really interested in going to would be the shooting range and the video game store. Uh, he also drops out of school at this time. He stops going to college. So 2010, there's a, there's a lot of things happening here, right? Uh, we, we, mm-hmm. see, we see a, a boy that's taken out of high school. He goes into the college situation for one year. And then he shortly after that, he's dropped communication with his father, his brother, his uncle, collects his driver's license, practically just staying at home. Might as well not have a license at all. With the exception, though, it should be noted, though, he was going to the shooting range on occasions by himself at this point once he had the driver's license, Um, but then dropping out of college ultimately
3: one could assume that he's going to the driving range with his own guns as well.
1: But right. Of course you mean the shooting range. He's not going to the driving range and scaring the hell out of the golfers with his own (laughs) guns.
3: Let's fast forward in time just a little bit to 2012.
1: Yeah. Nancy Lanza starts getting out of the house more. We have to think about this situation here. We have a, we have this troubled child and it's probably caused her obviously a lot of stress uh, on her life and her situation. And in 2012, she she develops some more friendships with some of the locals. She starts going to a local pizza place for a beer or two during happy hour a few mm-hmm. times a week. Um, some of the information that we would later find out about the relationship between Nancy and Adam would be from some of these friends that she created at, at this happy hour. Yeah, everybody
3: needs somebody to vent to, and what better— But what better way to vent than with some pizza and beer?
1: Well, she also starts going on overnight trips with friends from time to time as well. You know, it, Adam is very much an adult. And even though he doesn't have any hobbies or anything other than locking himself in the basement and playing violent video games, Mm -hmm. he's fine with inside of those four walls. He's able to care for himself. And she goes on these overnight trips. I believe she went on a dozen or so in uh, the year of 2012. Um, remember we talked about Adam having this growing obsession with the military. Well, he had, he wanted to become a Marine and this was something that he was only really being vocal about with his mother. Mm. And he had posters all over the walls in the basement of different combat situations, you know, things like tanks and aircraft carriers and things that you would heavy machinery that you would see in the armed forces. Um, at some point, Nancy has to have a long talk with Adam and explain to him that he's never going to be a Marine. Mm. Um, this obviously because of his disorders, he could never be a Marine. He, I mean, you're talking about a kid that had trouble leaving the home, a person that had trouble going to school.
3: Which I have some uh, trouble with because I think on some level she could say, well, look, you know, we get you into some counseling and there are certain things that may, you know, maybe set it as a goal. Maybe he won't reach that goal, but it gives him something to kind of get out of bed, get out of the basement, try to do something productive with his life.
1: She would also tell friends that she's hanging out with that Adam's time in front of the computer screen or in front of a video game screen seems to be increasing now that Mm -hmm. he has less responsibilities or obligations. And he also seems to be turning away from her as well. Uh, Maybe this is just him getting older or maybe this does have to do with his time spent with these video games.
3: Yeah, or maybe like I said, I I, I believe on some level she has this mother's intuition and maybe that she knows that there's something more sinister going on here.
1: Adam is 20 now and Nancy is still finding disturbing drawings in his possession. You know, this thing that, that all the experts, the people at the school had told her he would probably grow out of. Well, now he's 20. He's a young man. He's not a boy anymore. And she's still finding these disturbing drawings. One of them. and, And these are drawings that he These are sketches he's making. One such sketch is of a woman holding a rosary and she is shot. She's being shot by machine gun fire. Okay. Another one is an open field and in the open field lie mutilated bodies of children scattered throughout the field. Their faces are so bloodied that you couldn't discern any of their features.
3: Yeah. At this point, this guy really needs to be seeking professional help.
1: And there is also a drawing of a, what appears to be a younger Adam with a, with blood pouring from his forehead and his arms are held up into the sky. It's like a, almost like a suicide picture that he's drawn of himself.
3: And Lloyd Christmas just keeps getting creepier and creepier.
1: Well, we had the talk about her explaining to Adam that he couldn't become a Marine. Uh, Here's some added stress though, to the situation because now Nancy starts discussing the idea of moving to another state with Adam. Um, and the plan was to move to Washington state, which is quite Mm. a bit of ways from Connecticut.
3: Is this for a romantic?
1: No, I, I don't know the reasons for the moving, but it doesn't sound like she had developed any type of relationship that would have taken her there. Um, but, but Adam was to go with her. Um, so, so that family portion would not be disrupted. It would just be transplanted. Um, again, Adam, at first he seems pretty hip to the idea of moving but as it becomes closer to you know the goal of moving and as these talks become more and more serious adam starts to shut down even more now he now we're seeing the opposite reaction from him Mm -hmm. he's not liking the idea of moving uh nancy was planning on moving with adam to washington state this probably would have taken place sometime in 2013 uh, but also the other thing here, too, that, that has not been well reported, in my opinion, was that by this time, Nancy's health is really starting to fail her as well. Um, this, again, is probably a lot of this is probably just due
3: to stress. Yeah, because yeah.
1: she's only 52 years of of age, you know, and a lot of her friends seem to think that she she appeared to be healthy. But she did have some uh, she had some hidden health problems. Uh, that that were coming about and really starting to take their toll on her uh, as she was still trying to care for her now adult son.
3: Yeah, and before we get to December of 2012, uh, tell me again about Nancy's dream.
1: Well, this was a situation that happened. This is something she told her friend about uh, in September of 2012, that she had had a dream about Adam that she— She, in the dream, she was outside with Adam. They were enjoying like a beautiful day, right? Mm -hmm. When all of a sudden a large gust of wind comes and it starts to slowly lift Adam up into the air. Now, Nancy runs over and grabs Adam's legs and she's trying to hold on to him. But the pull just starts to get stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And then she loses her grip on her son. And Adam slowly lifts up into the air, higher and higher into the sky Nancy watches Adam get smaller and smaller as he gets further and further from him to the point where she cannot see him any longer. Mm. It's kind of crazy dream. When you think about how involved she had to be and being that helicopter mom and always watching over him. And even when she couldn't be there trying to make sure others were watching out for him as well. And as he's growing older, You know, this, this is the dream that she has that that at some point he's a man. And on top of that, if her health gets worse, who's going to be around to, to watch after him?
3: Well, and maybe some kind of metaphor for the fact that he was withdrawing anyways, or like I said, and what I've been saying from the get go, I I really believe that she had a gut feeling uh, uh, about her son and a, and, and a, a gut feeling that she didn't want to have.
1: Well, what should have happened? here captain is that gut feeling. You got to use that and talk to some other people. Again, I, my complaint here is not that Nancy didn't care for Adam. I think she cared for him an unbelievable amount. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think that she, even though she thought she did, I don't think she knew what was best for him.
3: Well, thank you, Captain
1: Obvious. I also want to talk about a few other things that were taking place leading up to December 2012. Mm-hmm. So, Nancy, these are all things that Nancy had told friends of hers. Um, now, keep in mind, we, we the neighbors mm-hmm. would describe Nancy and Ad, Adam as kind of like ghost like they were just not there you know this was a community where people went out and they spoke to their neighbors and they did things in the community well Adam we know obviously didn't do that and other than some friendship that that Nancy had mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of that either and a lot of that's probably her being home with her son caring for, for her son
3: yeah or just the extra stress of it
1: Um, but she would tell friends that leading up this is just a couple weeks before uh, the event took place that she had had uh, an experience with Adam that this was, he was not leaving the home by this point. point, mm-hmm. three months before December, he was basically on lockdown and he had locked himself up and he's not leaving the house self lockdown, right? Yeah. He, he's not going to the video game store. He's not going to the shooting range anymore. He's
3: not going to the driving range either. Yeah.
1: He's not doing anything with this driver's license mm-hmm. and it, things got so strange that he at some point started only communicating with his mother through email. Huh. They live in the same in the same home. The two yeah. of them are in the same home and he's only communicating with her through email. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that happened too was that Nancy was planning a, you know, we talked about these overnight trips that she started to do. Mm-hmm. Well, those were just that, just over one night. They were just short trips. Well, late that year, she was planning to take a much longer trip. She wanted to go to London. And this would be a bit of a household experiment, if you will. This would be a point for her to go off and have some leisure time and get away from the stresses of home and to see if Adam could handle himself for more than one night on his own.
3: Yeah, because normally at this point, as a parent, you know your, your child is 20 years old, sometimes moves away to go to college, or if they're still living at home, they're in school, they probably have a job, they're just not around the house that much and it becomes back it gets back to me time. Right. And she doesn't have that luxury.
1: Now, Adam bumps his head. She reports this to some of her friends that there's some kind of accident in the home and she she states that he bumped his head pretty badly and mm-hmm. he was taking it very badly as well. So he's he's injured somehow. We don't know the details of this, but for whatever reason, and it's probably this situation, she states that she canceled her London trip and simply just states to friends that it's because of things going on at home that she's no longer going to go on this London trip.
3: And I'm sure she's talking to Adam about this trip. So maybe, you know, maybe it's this elaborate plan because he doesn't want her to leave. Mm
1: -hmm. And she, I mean, she's really backed in a corner here, right? I mean, she... He's no longer communicating with his father and or
3: brother or uncle. And now he's only communicating with you through
1: email. Yeah. And now you can't go somewhere. You can't take this trip because he he probably does need somebody to look after him. He might not be able to handle uh, being alone for that amount of time.
3: Right, But there's also there's probably something going on through her head. Right. Nancy's head. mm -hmm. He's 20 years old. She wants to she wants to get on with her life. She wants to have a life. Right. I wonder at this point, it's going, okay, well now am I, because he's my son Am I am I locked down forever? Am I, you know, handicapped by his handicaps? Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really tough spot for her to be in.
1: Yeah. And she can't get the father involved she can't push Adam off onto the father to, to get away for a week because he's broken communication with him. And, and Mm -hmm. now only communicating through to you through email. If you, if you attempt something like that, he might break off communication with you as well. And might be lost completely. Well, yeah, right, right. This brings us to Friday, December 14th, 2012. Mm -hmm. Now sometime between or sometime before nine 30 that morning, Adam got up and he's, planning something and he's doing some things in the house. We're a little unclear of what those movements are and we'll come to those later. Mm-hmm. However, what we do know that takes place that morning before nine 30 is that Nancy at only 50, 52 years of age, she's shot dead. Mm-hmm. And this is the situation she's found in her bed, still wearing her pajamas. She's lying on her back and she's shot four times in the head with a 22 caliber Savage MK two F bolt action rifle. Mm -hmm. Now she's shot at such a close distance that they are almost certain that the barrel of the gun would have been touching her head. Meaning that even if she was still asleep, when this took place, she probably, there was probably enough time that from the time that it was pointed to her head, that she may have opened her eyes just in time to see her son, shooting her right um the
3: hopefully not
1: she was shot so badly and at such a close range four times that it almost took off her head uh mm-hmm. to, to to put it you know Blunt, yeah. obviously mm-hmm. we don't we don't fully know if he took her hostage for any length of time or if she was aware of what was going on all we can go off of is the evidence that we see afterwards and that of her being in her bed, still in her pajamas. So it is assumed that she was probably attacked in her sleep that morning. Mm-hmm. This all took place, uh, just before nine 30. And right afterwards, uh, if, if he killed her at nine 30, then immediately afterwards he got into her car and he drove
0: away.
3: And the problem with covering these shows or these cases is we all know what is next and that's what we're going to dive into tomorrow. Cause I, I, I just can't do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's been I, enough for one day.
3: Well, it's been enough for the whole week. You know, I, uh, yeah, I can't iterate as we, we put cases on there. Then you dive in and it physically affects you. And, it's, and, and this one uh, more so than anything, watching the documentary, uh new town, which, you know, at the end of it has it has no informational value really mm-hmm. other than the pain and the suffering that these families go through and but we you know we signed up to do a show every week on true crime and we it was too almost too late to back out yeah um but just for anybody that's concerned about listening tomorrow we will be um as respectful as we can and, and very aware of, you know, we don't want to cause anybody emotional uh, trauma from listening to the show by any means. If it's something that you don't think you can handle, by all means, don't listen to that show. Um, but we will not be graphic about that right. or anything. We want to be respectful to the victims and the victim's family.
1: On a lighter note, I do have some recommended reading for today. Um, this week, recommending The Spider in the Fly by Claudia Rowe. Uh, in this superb work of literature, True Crime, a mm-hmm. uh, spellbinding combination of a memoir and a psychological suspense, we have a situation where we have a female journalist who chronicles her unusual connection with a convic- convicted serial killer and her search to understand the darkness inside her. Of him and what might lie inside of all of us. Now, I'm recommending this one not only because it's a fantastic book, mm-hmm. but because last week I misspoke when we were talking about the National Forest serial killer. Oh,
3: uh, you or me misspeak? Can you never you, happens.
1: Well, I last week I was t- referring to a uh, another serial killer, uh-huh. and I call I said Joseph Francois, and his mm-hmm. actual name is Kendall Francois, and I was actually just going off of off of my poor memory there. But uh, this book is about uh, the journalist having a relationship with Kendall Francois, that serial killer that I talked about mm-hmm. briefly in our last episode.
3: Was it just a friendship or was it sexual?
1: No, no, no. She she was a journalist and she was uh reporting on his story once he was already in prison. Oh, okay So she went to meet with him on multiple occasions. Now she's a young attractive journalist, mm-hmm. so this is very kind of Silence of the Lambs-ish, you know, oh. where you have the young woman meeting with the the, the psychopath. Clarice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, I want to read a little quick caption from the book to you. Uh, it goes like this. Well, well, Claudia, can I call you Claudia? I have to give it to you. When confronted, at least you're honest, as honest as any reporter. You want to go into the depths of my mind and into my past. I want to peek into yours. It's only fair, isn't it? And that was by the serial killer. Kendall wow,
3: that And that really comes off as that Silence of the Lambs type feel.
1: Yeah so check out The Spider in the Fly by Claudia Rowe and you can do that by going to our website we have our recommended page you're going to see lots of books to choose from even a couple of movies on there as well
3: and again a special thanks to everybody that shares on social media It's it's been awesome uh, check out some of our new stuff on YouTube uh, make sure you tell a friend uh, we appreciate it and it It's the reason why we're able to give, uh, we've been trying to do uh, two-parters almost every week
1: now. Mm -hmm. And we will see you again here in the garage tomorrow. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it. Uh